Miracy. I think it really boils down to that your network is your net worth. And if you really want to turn that network into gold, you've got to be intentional and proactive and courageous. It it takes some courage to get out there and stay out there. Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped over 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating profitable coaching businesses. In this podcast, I want to look at difficult coaching conversations together with other coaches, but also to look deeper into ourselves as professionals and the business challenges we may face from time to time. This episode is going to be about business tactics. If I were to ask you which marketing or sales tactic has the highest ROI, maybe you say it's inbound marketing or email campaigns, but really the answer, referrals. However, coaches usually wait for someone to ask for a recommendation and then somebody hopefully drops your name, but that is not how to leverage referrals. My guest today says there's a proven formula for getting referrals. She's the founder of Master Connectors, Inc., which teaches entrepreneurs how to do business by referrals. So it is no wonder that she's known as the referral diva. I've invited Virginia Moosekeys to the show. Virginia loves introducing one person to another, so both grow their opportunities and potential, and I look forward to picking her brain about referrals and networking. Welcome, Virginia. Hey, Melinda. Thanks for having me today. I am so excited to have you on as a guest. You and I, like, we've been connected for a while. We've done some fun things, and before we get into today's topic, which I know is a favorite of both of ours, I just want to hear a little bit about your background. And really, a question that I have for you is, were you the girl that everyone knew? Yes, I was the girl that everyone knew, but not in a good way. (laughs) Tell me more about that. You know, I was a huge misfit growing up, Melinda. I was bullied in school. I was too smart for my britches, and it made it difficult for me to really relate to the kids in my class. I didn't have a lot of friends, and I wanted them but I really didn't know how to make friends. So yeah, growing up, I was a very lonely loner. I don't even think I really learned how to make friends until well after college. And then I went on to work for a Sylvan Learning Center franchise, which put me in doing education sales in the urban environment between where I live in St. Louis. And that was a whole other world, right? And I really had to learn new skills for relating with people who weren't like me, who were very different from me, who had very different frames of reference, lived in a very different culture, and really learning how to understand where they were coming from and what their needs truly were and how what we were offering could meet their needs. And if they had needs that what we offered could not be met, then I needed to find a way to utilize the resources that I had to meet those primal needs first. So then I could pull people into our tutoring program, which was the product and service. So now fast forward, here you are, your whole business is about connecting with others being that connector. So why referrals? Like what's the problem you're solving right now? Well, it's really a challenge because there is a moment in time 
when advertising works, whatever that is. When I worked for Sylvan, advertising didn't work. Billboards didn't work. Print ads didn't work. Flyers didn't work. Social media wasn't really a thing. And it's not like everybody's surfing Facebook. And so I really had to go in, roll up my sleeves and get to know people. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially folks that are doing three to five to 6,000 a month, but they haven't really crossed over that six figure mark. I think they get swayed by a lot of the shiny objects that are out there. They get swayed by contests and competitions and summits and giveaways and all these really, they're great marketing tactics, but they're really not appropriate for the early stage solo entrepreneur and for many, many coaches, right? Because many, many coaches are not really all that interested in jumping into the online game. This is a big game and there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot to learn and it can be very frustrating. So for me, I really feel like what my system does is gives coaches, consultants, and early stage sales professionals a way to build their network, organize their network, nurture their network, and then leverage that network so that they can do six figures and still have time to enjoy their life and they're not working themselves to death. And it's really just playing on what we all know how to do. We just need somebody to point out what it is that needs to be done. You know, we're told networking is about selling and getting clients. No, networking is about finding referral partners, nurturing relationships, and teaching them how to find your clients and teaching them how to refer you. Eventually, you'll get clients. It's a byproduct, but that's if you're going to networking meetings to get clients, it's going to not be a fun experience for most people. For me, when I go out and I network and I'm meeting people, I really want to understand them. I want to know who they are. I want to know about their cat. I want to know about their life. I really want to know them as a person before I start asking them to do anything for me or bring something to the table for me. And I think it's really important that we realize that networking is just a lot like dating, right? And so we have to think about if this were a dating scenario, would I be like, would you marry me yet? Or would I be, I want to introduce you to my best friend or you know, what would we be doing with that person if this were a bar and we were dating? And a lot of times people look at me when I say that and they're like, oh, I wouldn't behave like I do. And I say, well, yeah, right. And it's along the same lines. Um, I think we're, we're going to go a little naughty here, right? But I do think that a referral is a little bit like virginity. You don't, just don't give it away to anybody. That's exactly right. It's your professionalism. It's your credibility. It's your trust. Earlier, you said, you know, we were told networking is about selling and getting clients. Like you've gone through, it's like, instead of that, it's this. Can you just paraphrase? Like networking is actually about, how would you fill in the blank? Networking is actually about initiating relationships that are mutually beneficial, reciprocal, and curated for, uh, I guess, a mutually beneficial purpose, right? It's about the mutuality, but you can't get to that mutuality at an event, okay? And one of the things that I find really interesting or early on, someone said to me, like, you can't build intimacy. You have to build intimacy over time. You have to work harder to build relationships. It's going to a once a month association or chamber event where you go and you meet Susie there. And if you do nothing between now and the next meeting, you and Susie are not going to build relationship and rapport. If you want that relationship to turn into something, if Susie seems interesting to you, then you've got to reach out and you've got to invite her to coffee and you have to do your research and you have to find out what's important to her and you have to make overtures that say, you matter to me, I'm interested in you 
so that they want to come to the table. And then you can start to build mutuality in terms of promoting, connecting, and referring. I often find that um, when we're working with coaches, especially newer coaches, they will have this idea that, well, let me find as many referral partners as I can. But rather than having a lot to have a few that are very strategic, very intentional, where you do know them, you have understood who they are, you do understand what you both need and how you can both support each other and reciprocate in those ways. And I would rather have a few close relationships where we can serve and support each other well than a huge net of people that I don't know anything about. Yeah, there's actually two things that I can share about that, Melinda. First of all is there is a British sociologist named Robin Dunbar. And in the 1990s, he observed primates in the wild. And he started looking at how these, how these societies, these primate societies organize themselves. And what he found was that societies, particularly primate societies, function in about circles of about 250. So once you get a network that's beyond 250, you really are not in relationship with all those other people. So we can think about like our email list, okay? When you you have a 10,000 person email list, well, I don't have intimate knowledge of everybody on that list at all, but I do have intimate knowledge of a small number of them, right? And there are certain ones, you know, my referral alchemists are the ones that get like all time access to me. They're in my inner circle. So I have a process where we move people through. So there are six A's because I love just using the alphabet and it makes things easier. The outskirts, all the people that you don't have personal knowledge of, that's your audience. And they're just sort of out there. And then you'll meet people along the way, whether you're getting someone's business card at a chamber event or whether you're getting their email at an online networking event, they become an acquaintance and that's someone you have their contact information. And if you're thinking that just because someone gave you their contact information, they're suddenly going to refer to you, you're four steps away from where you really need to be. The next thing we need to do is we need to reach out and we need to be warm and welcoming to that person. We want them to know that we're looking into them. We want them to know that we are interested and that they're important and they matter. So maybe we do some research and maybe we send a greeting card and then we invite them to coffee and we learn about them and let them know they're relevant. And those are people that I call my associates. So I keep about 50 associates in play most of the time, people that are just, they're relevant to me. They're in a specific nurture campaign. I'm often reaching out to them and just doing a, hey, how you doing phone call once or twice a year, that kind of thing. When I move up to the next rung, those are my advocates. And those are people that are willing to promote me. Those are people that are willing to share my Facebook. People like right now, this is a very advocate thing to do, Melinda. Like, hey, be on my show. I said, be on my podcast. You said, be on my show. And so this is a way that we make one another visible to our respective audiences in case our audiences might want to hop on one of our respective islands, right? And decide to get to know us better. Once we get to there, then you've got two kinds of tracks where people can run on. You can have folks that are in your ambassador track. They don't necessarily do a lot of business with your ideal client, but they know people who do. So they can bring you your joint venture partners. They can bring you your referral partners. They can introduce you to great sources and opportunities. And then referral affiliates, 
or brand affiliates. Those are people that do business with your ideal client all the time. So yesterday, as I'm teaching my class and we're talking about CRMs and I'm saying, you know, you guys, for those of you who are coaches, you know that I'm promoting Melinda right now. And if you haven't gone to her webinar and you haven't taken a look and you haven't done any of that, I consider it loyal that you would go check her out. So some of you have said, well, I don't want to look at something else. I might feel disloyal. And I made it very clear that them checking you out would be, would be a matter of loyalty to me. So that's an affiliate move, right? So those are sort of the stages. And at each stage, you've got to move through very gingerly cultivating that and making sure that it's reciprocal so that you don't end up overgiving and being someone's affiliate when they're not giving you anything back. First of all, I love those stages and just how to understand your network and where to put people and intentionally move them or navigate them through those circles. I love that. And so let's talk about reciprocal because there is I remember I was at this conference one time, this is several years ago, and the whole purpose of this particular event was to build referral partners. And I just kind of sat back. I was presenting at this particular event, so I wasn't attending it. And I was there early and I was just watching what was happening. And I would say the vast majority of the people were in the early stages of their business, brand new, maybe a year or two. And what I found is that people were quickly becoming more focused on how many referral partners am I leaving with versus do I have the right referral partners lined up? So talk about reciprocal. What does that mean to you? At each stage, Melinda, there's a level of reciprocity that we check for. So here's how you know you're in reciprocity with an acquaintance. They gave you their business card and they accepted yours. See, I gave you mine, you gave me yours. That's the reciprocity at that level. At the associate level, we sit down, we have conversations. I use my curiosity tools, right, to learn about you. But if you talk to me for the entire hour and it never one time occurs to you to say, well, what about you? Well, tell me about you. Then I know that I don't have reciprocity at that level yet. If I want that person in my network and I want them, I want more from them, then I need to stay at that stage until I see, visibly see reciprocity from that person. They need to ask me how I'm doing. They need to send me a thank you card. They need to do something that makes me feel relevant to them, that indicates my relevance to them. At the advocate level, I'm going to say, you want to be on my show or what can I do for you or whatever? And I'm going to do that thing. But I'm also going to say, I'd really love it if you could help me with X, Y, or Z. And if they don't follow through, then I don't do any more for them because I'm not in reciprocity yet. So I might throw out a hook. Hey, Melinda, your podcast is up and running. Can't wait to be on your show, right? Like prompting you to follow through because we all get busy and we all drop balls. So I'm, I'm not hard and fast. Like if you didn't do it the way I wanted you to do it the first time, then you're out. I'm just, I'm going to prompt, right? And if I don't get reciprocity there, then I'm going to leave the relationship where it is, which is one level below at the associate level. If we become mutual partners in, you know, trading shows, trading audiences, whatever, then we can talk about, all right, let's dig into each other's networks. Let me see who you know, and I'll show you who I know. And let's talk about how we start to create a real on-demand referral and introduction stream. We meet on a regular basis. We introduce the people that we met last month to our referral partners. And we say things like, hey, this is who I had on my calendar last month. Is there anybody you want to meet? This is who I'm scheduled to see so far this month. Is there anybody you want me to mention you to? 
So we start to be more creative and more purposeful. And we understand that there is a plan and that we are accountable to one another and that there's reciprocity. And when I first started out doing this, I thought that, you know, once you had your four or five, like really good referral partners and they were bringing you business, it was the Holy Grail and you were sort of done. And then all my referral partners like transitioned to something else and I was left with none. And I thought, ah, okay, I need to have a flow. There needs to be an ebb and a flow in that reciprocity process. And I need to be constantly meeting new people, trying to engage them at these different levels, always respecting where they're willing to be engaged because people are rarely what they say, almost always what they do. So I listen to the promise, but then I wait to see, does the promise manifest itself? Does it come to fruition? And I don't really worry so much initially about results as I do about the effort that, that people make. And the last thing that I, I really want to leave everybody with on this reciprocity piece is I was talking to a private client of mine and she just busted into tears on her coaching session. And I said, my gosh, what's wrong? And she said, I spent my entire day yesterday delivering on all my promises to all the people that I met this week. And not one person has even returned a phone call, a text or said, thank you. And I was like, well, you're working too hard for people that aren't in reciprocity with you. They can be very nice people and you can put them in your social network and invite them to your house for dinner during social time, but stop expecting them to help you build your business and stop helping them for Pete's sake because they sure love that you're helping them, but you've asked them to help you and they've basically with their actions said no. And that's kind of when I'm gracious. I don't say to somebody, you're off the island, but I do gently walk away and I put my resources and my efforts where I'm getting reciprocity because reciprocity is the currency of a referral funnel. I love that. And then for that client of yours, you know, with having these five phases or these different areas, they can see, I thought they were an affiliate. I even thought they were an advocate, but really they're not barely even an associate. So let's put them where they are so that I know how to show up in response to that. And now my expectations don't get all out of whack and then I don't beat myself up or cuss them out or anything. It's like, no, it's just they're in a different category. Good to know. And here's the thing. I can be an affiliate to someone else and they can be an advocate to me and that can be fine. It just, I have to be okay with the, I have to be okay with the dynamic. And so the reality is, reciprocity is what you make of it. Reciprocity is what you decide is reciprocal. It's not always tit for tat. Melinda's on my show. I'm on her show. Melinda promotes me. I promote Melinda. Well, it's such a good perspective to have. Like you really begin to see where your time is spent, what's valuable, where is it important to nurture, where to receive. I love the clarity of that perspective. Me too. It works for me. <laughs> it's working for hundreds and hundreds of my clients. So. So I am an introvert, right? And I have learned to be an extrovert when I need to, but I also know how to take care of myself so I don't get depleted or freaked out. And that's one of the things that I hear a lot is people will come, coaches, new coaches, they'll be like, well, I'm an introvert. I can't do networking. And I'm like, well, I don't think that's true because I'm an introvert. I actually love networking. I love creating relationships and it's just, it's so natural to me. So can you speak a little bit to those people who are like, I'm an introvert. Networking's not my thing. Well, here's the thing. 
the difference between an extrovert and an introvert is energy. So if you're introverted, it just means that you get energy by being either alone or in intimate relationship with one or two other people, right? Most people think introversion means like, I'm a hermit and I don't like people. That's not true. It's just, I don't like crowds. I don't like big, noisy crowds of people. It just, it has to do with where I get my energy. Whereas an extrovert loves to be in a crowd, pulls energy from the crowd and loves being the center of attention around people. I think the advantage of introversion and networking is that introverts do like to go deep and they, they're not big fans of meaningless blatherly chit chat, right? They really want to, as a coach, you want to know people. That's why you're a coach in the first place, because you want to know them and you want to hear about their life and you want to hear about their challenges and you want to offer them support. And so that's really what networking is about. And in fact, networking well is more difficult, I think, for extroverts because extroverts kind of go a mile wide when an inch deep. And sometimes they don't listen as well as an introvert. And so the conversation seems to maybe revolve around them a little more than the person that's in front of them. If you're saying you're an introvert and you can't network, you're just making an excuse and you need a new definition of what it could mean to you to go out and connect at a meaningful level with more people. So it's about the strategy and the approach that you use. Everybody can network and everyone, in fact, does. Let me ask you, Virginia, if somebody is just getting started, maybe they've been in business for a while, but they want to try networking or building their business by referrals. How do they get started? What are the steps for building a plan for referrals? I think the first step is clarity. If you don't know what is your promise, so what is the transformation that I offer? What are the pillars of your process? So for example, in my referral practice, there are six. It's define your tribe, become a trusted authority, develop your team, create your tools, train your people, and track your success. So those are my pillars. Those are the six pillars of referrals on demand. So I think good networking starts with that level of clarity about who you serve, how you serve them, what you do, because it, that determines where you go to network. I was saying to somebody today, you know, if you've written a fiction book for teens, you wouldn't go try selling your book at the International Association of Independent Financial Advisors. And if you said to me, well, some of them have children, I would say that's true, but they're not there looking for children's books. The way you're going to sell a children's book is you decide where are the people that want to buy children's books and you're going to go there. So having absolute clarity around who you serve and what you do determines where you network. And if you network in the right places, you get better results faster and get less discouraged. Now, you mentioned your blueprint just a minute ago. What's the name of your blueprint? It's called the Business by Referral Blueprint. We'll make sure that people know where to go to grab a copy of that from your website. Well, let's summarize a few things that we've talked about today. So I love that we kind of clarified what networking is not. It's not about selling. It's not about getting clients. It's about initiating relationships that are mutually beneficial. It's about understanding the different circles of our network, whether it's the audience, the acquaintance, the associates, the advocates, the affiliates, or maybe even the ambassadors, depending on who they are. 
But I love that when we can understand the levels of circles that the people we meet where they are, we can know where to give our energy and our attention and where to receive. And the biggest part of reciprocity is knowing at each of those stages, which I love how you differentiated and what that looks like. So we know how to give and receive in appropriate ways so that we don't hit resentment or holding grudges or any other funkiness creeps in. And I love how you said, be intentional with the dynamic of the relationship. Reciprocity is not always tit for tat. So know what's important to each other and create whatever works for you. And then we also talked about the introvert, that, you know, an introvert, it's actually more aligned possibly with networking. So make sure you're not using it as an excuse, but to really leverage your innate talents and skill sets to, uh, to put this strategy to work for you. And then thank you for summarizing the clarity that we need on who you serve and your promise and the process you have I see a lot of people trying to get referral partners before they have that clarity, and that's why it's hard. So thank you for reminding us for that clarity. And then, of course, the business by referral blueprint. And we're going to make sure that everybody knows in the show notes where to grab a copy of that. So, Virginia, do you have any parting words? I think it really boils down to that your network is your net worth. And if you really want to turn that network into gold, you've got to be intentional and proactive and courageous. It, it takes some courage to get out there and stay out there because, you know, people are rarely what they say. They're mostly what they do and we get disappointed. But if we decide that we have five disappointments and that means networking doesn't work, we're missing out on truly some real beautiful connections and relationships that go far beyond building business, but enrich our lives and transform us as humans as well. Wow. And those were amazing words as well. So thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Virginia for this amazing conversations about one of my favorite topics, referrals and networking. You can find out more about her at masterconnectors.com. That's masterconnectors.com. Dot com And to get her business by referral blueprint, go to masterconnectors.com forward slash blueprint. But we won't tell you that there's a 10-part e-course that you get with it as well. It's a secret. Virginia, thank you for coming to this show today. It was my pleasure, Melinda. It's always a pleasure to get to spend time with you. And I, you know what I love? I love how we repurpose our friend visits for the benefit of others. <laughs> they just get to experience them with us. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Making It. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And that way you make sure you receive future episodes. And if you like the show, please give us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people.
And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud, we can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.